This podcast is brought to you by the Administrative Committee of the Presbyterian Church in America, promoting the unity, purity, and progress of the church. Learn more about the Administrative Committee and support its work by visiting PCAAC.org. Welcome to Gifts and Graces. All Christians have communion in each other's gifts and graces, says the Westminster Confession. So on this podcast, we help you and your church benefit from the gifts and graces of other parts of Christ's body. Each episode, we bring you a seminar, sermon, or discussion from church leaders across the country and around the world designed to promote the unity, purity, and progress of the church. This is Gifts and Graces. On this episode of Gifts and Graces, Dr. Roy Taylor preaches on Matthew 16, verses 5 through 12, about Christ warning against extremes. Dr. Taylor formerly served as the stated clerk of the Presbyterian Church in America, and as the moderator of the 48th General Assembly. This was originally recorded as a sermon delivered at the 2022 General Assembly in Birmingham. Let's listen as Dr. Taylor preaches God's Word. Our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 5 through 12. Hear the Word of God. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They began discussing among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I do not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees. And the Sadducees. Here ends the reading. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you will speak to us by your Holy Spirit, that the voice of Christ might be heard through the preaching of the Word of God. We pray that the Holy Spirit would give us an understanding that comes only through his illumination. 
We pray in Christ's dear name. Amen. I was going to preach this sermon uh, a couple of years ago um, at the 2020 assembly, but that was postponed because of COVID. Uh, my nephew, Taylor Dennard, the co-chair of the local arrangements committee, uh, asked me to preach. But now I can preach to you uh, the retiring moderator sermon. I've been thinking about this text for many years. Mo most of you uh, preachers will understand that uh, study and exegesis destroys a good a lot of good sermon ideas. <laughs> when I, I first thought about this text, I thought, well, this is a classic uh, doctrinal sermon uh, against uh, the uh, Sadducees, who were the liberals, and the uh, Pharisees, who were the conservatives. But as I began to study this text, it became apparent to me that it was not just theology. It was their view of culture and their attitude toward the prevailing government uh, that uh, and our attitude toward government is part of the attitude toward culture. Now those of you who were members of churches where I preached, you expect me, and I will say, the text naturally falls into two divisions. And the, the basic gist of this text is that we must be careful to avoid extremes regarding our approaches to the Bible and to our culture. Sinclair Ferguson is quoted to have saying is uh, that you never fall into the ditch you've been running away from. Now, he probably would have said that in proper British English, uh, but as I uh, like to tell my British friends, uh, we Americans have had 500 years to improve the English language. And you remember what you were taught in grade school, that a preposition is the, long, is the wrong word to end a sentence with. We've been running away from liberalism for over 50 years. So that's the, that's the one I want to take first, even though Jesus took it second. The... We need to avoid the extreme of subtracting from the Word of God and caving in to the culture that surrounds us. That's what the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees did. We don't know as much about the Sadducees as we do about the Pharisees. 
the Sadducees uh, didn't have as long a history as the Pharisees, uh, and they uh, they were the wealthy elites in Jerusalem. Now we're all familiar with the uh, golden rule: do unto others as they would have you, as you would have them do unto you. But there's another golden rule: those who have the gold make their own rules. And that's what the Sadducees did. The Sadducees bought the high priesthood from the Syrians. The last uh, legitimate high priest who was uh, of the tribe of Levi, a descendant of Aaron and of the house of Zadok, was Onias III. The Sadducees bought the high priesthood uh, from the Syrians in 175 B.C. Um, later on, the Romans took control of Israel. That was in 64 B.C., over 100 years later. And so the, uh, the Sadducees just started uh, bribing the Romans instead of the Syrians to buy the uh, high priesthood. And the, the Romans, uh, the, the, the Sadducees, since they controlled the high priesthood and the temple, they offered sacrifices to the Syrians and then to the Roman leaders for uh, from 175 until uh, the beginning of the Jewish war against Rome in 66 AD. So they, they kowtowed to the government and the, and the, uh, and the uh, culture. They, they controlled the Sanhedrin, the 71 top leading scholars in the uh, Roman Empire. And uh, the, the reason why they bought the high priesthood from the Syrians and then the Romans was because the temple was a cash cow. It was a big source of income. And you remember that uh, there were two high priests uh, in the days of Jesus, Annas, the, the, who was the father-in-law of the present high priest, Caiaphas. And Annas still had the control of the uh, court. The, it was called Annas Bazaar. And you remember from the Gospels that Jesus uh, cleansed that uh, temple two times during his ministry. That may be the reason why the first trial of Jesus was before Annas and then the, the second before, before Caiaphas. You, both the, Pharise, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were obsessed with ritual purity. Remember that John tells us in John 18 and 19 that the Jews would not enter into Pilate's hall because they didn't want to be contaminated uh, 
and unclean in order to celebrate the Passover. That's still today. That's still true today. Some of the most liturgical churches are the most liberal churches. And John the Baptist called both the Pharisees and the Sadducees a brood of vipers. Now, not only were the Sadducees theologically liberal, because they did not accept all of the books of the Bible, the Tanakh, the, what we call the 39 books of the Old Testament. They only accepted the five books of Moses. And some, uh, the Old Testament is sort of like a rheostat. And there are certain doctrines that are not expounded very uh, clearly until later in the Old Testament and then it more expounded in the New Testament. That's why the Pharisees did not believe in individual mortality. They did not believe in individual life beyond the grave. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the final judgment. They didn't believe in the existence of angels, either fallen or unfallen. And they did not ex expect an individual personal Messiah at all. And some of you may have witnessed to uh, liberal Jews, and you've tried to explain that Jesus is the Messiah, but liberal Jews don't believe in the, in the Messiah, a personal Messiah. Orthodox Jews and Christians all believe in the same explanation for the destruction of the first temple. They say, we agree with the Orthodox Jews, that the reason for the destruction of the first temple was God's providential judgment on Israel for their continued idolatry and their syncretism, their mixing of paganism with biblical Judaism. However, when we come to the destruction of the second temple in AD 70, there are two totally different explanations. The Christian explanation is, as Jesus lamented over Jerusalem on, the, on Palm Sunday, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as a hen does it? Uh, does her chicks, but you did not know the day of your visitation. That is, that God had invaded Israel and invaded history through the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, through Jesus being the Messiah, through his death, through his resurrection, and through his ascension and enthronement in heaven. The Orthodox Jews explain it a different way. They say that the reason for the destruction of, of the second temple and the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 was because the populace believed the Pharisees more than the 
more than uh, they believed the Sadducees more than the Pharisees. Two di totally different explanations. The, the Sadducees subtracted uh, from the Word of God. Now, what is the origin of liberal Judaism? The Sadducees went out of existence after the destruction of the, of the Second Temple in AD 70. The simple explanation is the, the influence of the Enlightenment and the French Revolution, which was in the 18th century. Now think of it. There was no such thing as liberal Judaism for about 1,700 years. Only different varieties of Orthodox Judaism. Well, how did they, uh, how did liberal Jews originate? As I said, it was the basic explanation is the Enlightenment. And the first, uh, I, I live in Greenville, South Carolina now, and uh, it was interesting to me that the first uh, non-Orthodox Jewish synagogue was in Charleston, South Carolina. And it, it was uh, a split uh, off of the uh, uh, congregation uh, uh, Beth Elohim in Charleston, South Carolina in the early 19th century. In uh, 1885, there was a Pittsburgh platform that removed many of the uniquely Jewish beliefs and practices from Judaism, including Zionism. But in 1937, there was the Columbus plat platform that restored many of the Jewish beliefs and practices and also included Zionism, which had become more popular. Now, the, the Sadducees did not accept all of the Bible. We, we don't, we're not subject to that, but we are subject to higher criticism and the presuppositions of higher criticism that the Bible is not God's word through men, but people's thoughts about God. And it seeks to explain away the supernatural. So many, some evangelicals, uh, because they want to be respectable and be considered intellectual by uh, liberals, um, accept some of the basic presuppositions of higher criticism. But we cannot subtract from the Word of God, even though we want to consider uh, intellectual and enlightened by some, we cannot do that. 
the, the Sadducees caved into culture. They sent their children to Greco-Roman schools. They, they learned Greek and Greek uh, culture and it tr tried to incorporate that in, in all of their lives. But we cannot cave in to the culture. Our culture uh, has aberrant views on sexuality, but we can't cave into that. Our culture has aberrant views on cohabitation. Same-sex marriage is now legal in this country. Gender identity is a big issue now. Abortion is uh, rampant now in the United States. But we cannot cave into the culture at all because we are Bible-believing Christians. Now, I said that the text naturally falls into two divisions, uh, and we dealt with the Sadducees. Now we deal with the Pharisees. The, we need to avoid adding to the Word of God and avoid influencing our culture as the Pharisees did. Now, when we use the term, and we call someone a Pharisee today, that's an insult. But it wasn't back in Jesus' day. The common Jews considered the Pharisees heroes. After all, they were theological conservatives. The Pharisees probably originated uh, about at the destruction of the first temple in about 585, 586 B.C. And the Babylonians took them into captivity into Babylonia. The, the word Pharisee comes from a root that means separate. And the Pharisees wanted to separate themselves not only from the Babylonian religion, but also from the Babylonian culture. Now, I have to give you a little history. I'll try to make it, not make it boring. You remember that uh, when Alexander the Great conquered the world, and he died in his early 30s, and then four of his generals tried to divide up his empire. And finally, two of them uh, gained the upper hand. Uh, Ptolemy in Egypt, and then um, Seleucus uh, in Syria. And the Syrians controlled uh, Israel. Now, during the Syrian period, there was a Jewish revolt led by Judas Maccabeus, called the Maccabean Revolt. And the Jews cleansed the temple. And that's still celebrated by Jews today at Hanukkah. And 
Jesus gave his his light of the world speech, uh, a sermon at Hanukkah in Jerusalem at the temple. So uh, the idea is that the uh, the oil in the lamps in the temple uh, lasted for the seven days. And so uh, that's why the Jews uh, celebrate Hanukkah. But the, the Pharisees grew during the, the Maccabean era, and Josephus tells us that there were thousands of Pharisees in the days of Jesus. Now, unlike the Sadducees, the the Pharisees accepted all of the Tanakh, uh, what we call the uh, what Christians call the 39 books of the Old Testament. Uh, consequently, they believed in individual mortality. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in the final judgment by God that everybody would give an account to God. They believed in angels, both uh, fall, uh, un, uh, fallen angels, which were the demons, and then the unfallen angels. Only the Pharisees expected an individual personal Messiah. The Pharisees were well-intentioned. They, they developed fences around the commandments. The idea was that if you didn't break the rabbinic tradition, you most certainly would not break the commandment. So they were well-intentioned. And they had over 5,000 rabbinic regulations about the observance of the Sabbath. Jesus never violated the fourth commandment about the Sabbath. But he went out of his way <laughs> to violate the rabbinic traditions of the Pharisees. Most Anglo-Christians vote Republican. That's not true among African-American Christians or Hispanic Christians or Asian Christians. In the UK, most evangelicals vote labor that would be equivalent to Democratic, instead of Tory, which would be equivalent to Republican, because the uh, United Kingdom is such a class-based society. So, as our culture deteriorates, and we think about our families, our children, our grandchildren. We may be re 
tempted to retreat from the culture altogether and to build a sort of the big Benedictine option to try to build a Christian community and not have as much to do with non-Christians. Pharisees did that, but they forgot that Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles. We cannot forget the Great Commission that we have to share the gospel with non-Christian people. Long ago in a galaxy far, far away, I was a seminary professor. I was only 33 years of age at the time. And I was not their first choice. Uh, They had already called someone to succeed uh, Dr. Robert Strong, uh, Adrian DeYoung. He had some minor surgery and he died on the operating table. So they looked around for me and scraped the bottom of the barrel and there I was. Dr. Strong was the homiletics professor at Reformed Seminary in Jackson, the mother of all campuses. And we shared an office for a semester from uh, January to May. Dr. Strong was a leader in the conservative wing of the Presbyterian Church in the United States, our former denomination. Once I asked Dr. Strong, why did you not come into the PCA? Your brother did. And he told me. He said, I defended Gordon Clark when he was accused of knowing too much about the incomprehensibility of God. Dr. Strong won that case. Shortly thereafter, he accepted a call to the Southern Presbyterian Church, First Presbyterian Church of Augusta, Georgia. He said, the reason I did not go into the PCA was because I think that an evangelical conservative can have a broader ministry in a mainline denomination than in a small separatist denomination. Now that was 1978. Uh, Dr. Strong died a couple of years later and there have been a number of changes in the PCUS and uh, PCUSA at, since then. So I don't know what he would do today. But Dr. Strong's fear was that the PCA would end up as a rigid, ingrown, infighting, 
and ineffectual denomination. I've often taught, thought of Dr. Strong's answer in recent years. John Arda Bistat uh, entitled his studies in the Sermon on the Mount as Christian counterculture. In my opinion, the church does not does not demonstrate a Christian counterculture. It reflects the culture in which we live. All you have to do is mention Donald Trump and the House Committee on the Investigation of January the 6th, or you can mention the President Biden's policies, and you will immediately get into an argument. I think that the church reflects the culture, the divided culture in which we live. Preaching is offensive because Preaching strikes at the conscience. I think that I would have failed as a preacher tonight if every person in this room were not offended by what I said. Because preaching strikes at the conscience. If your tendency is to be embarrassed by or explain away the Bible's unpopular teachings and you want to be accepted by uh, intellectuals and academics and you shy away uh, and you, you cave in to the culture as the Sadducees did, then you need to hear Christ's warning. Avoid the leaven of the Sadducees. But if your attitude is, you know, if we just had another rule, we could nip this thing in the bud. If you uh, think that we should withdraw from the culture and have nothing to do with the culture, then you need to hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. We have been running away from the leaven of the Sadducees for over 50 years. But there are two extremes we have to avoid. Not just one. There are two extremes. We must avoid not only the leaven of the Sadducees, we must also avoid the leaven of the Pharisees.
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this, the word of God. We pray that you will have spoken to us by it and enable us by your Holy Spirit to obey it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can hear more talks like this by subscribing to the Gifts and Graces podcast. You can also hear more content like this by attending a seminar at General Assembly. They are free and open to the public. Find out times and locations by visiting pcaga.org. Thanks for listening to Gifts and Graces.